Today's episode of the Gestalt Education Show is brought to you by three of our favorite sponsors, Human Locomotion, Core360 Bell, and Dynamic Disc Designs. All the information can be found below. By now, you have definitely heard us talk about them, so check out the show notes, click the links, use the codes, and uh, make sure you support our favorite people. Uh, as always, we've got a great episode lined up for you today, and thanks for tuning in. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Gestalt Education Show. Today, we are back in our second home, Brett. This is honestly, I don't even know, this is probably 10 podcasts that we've recorded in this location right here. This is our favorite hotel on planet Earth, the Westin Las Colinas here in Dallas, and uh, one of our first ones, actually, with Greg Friedman, that we we sat right over there, and then, uh, yeah, uh, we've had some great memories in this spot, and so we were kind of looking at some other places, a little bit chilly today, but we decided, you know what, we'll go right back to it, right, you know, don't don't fix what ain't broke, so. Home field advantage. That's right, so today, we have one of our literally best friends, and it wouldn't be right if we didn't have a big, dumbass bottle of wine for the one and only Jeff Barron. So, uh, what was the rule of total wine today? <clears throat> it had to be a bottle that had to be unlocked. That's yeah. right. So that's we're, right. This is, unlock them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this has been something on your bucket list, actually. You've been thinking about this bottle for a little bit, I actually right? have. I saw it, and... I've had the other versions and the different the different vineyards that they have, but this is their mountain fruit, so off of Mount Veter. So I saw it and I was like, "He says we got to get something," and I was like, "I want to try it." So well, cheers, boys. Cheers to that. This has been a long time coming, Jeff. Yeah, and uh, glad so to we're... finally do it. Okay, so let's kind of let's dive into it. So we, we got a lot of things that we, we kind of want to cover with you. So um, you're obviously on the board for RTP. You're heavily, heavily involved in rehab to performance as a PT, which is kind of ironic because yeah. RTP started as a chiropractor, right. you know, chiropractic uh, club, and it's kind of continued on mm-hmm. there. And so uh, we were talking about your story today, and then you also have a unique, uh, unique setup in Scottsdale now where you see a wide range of people. Yeah. I mean, a wide range. Everyone from uh, professional athletes, whether that be football, hockey, baseball, uh, to your everyday millionaires sometimes, yeah, you're right. talking, you know, yeah. and, and some of the things like that. And so uh, maybe can we just kind of talk about, you know, you as a PT, where you were before you, you met Craig and uh, you started getting involved in R2P and then kind of like that transition into where you are now. Yeah, I, um, so we're old. Yeah, we are old. And, <laughs> and uh, when I was, I, I played Small college football in Chicago. Subtle brag. Um, yeah, humble <clears throat> baseball as well. So let me just add that in there too. Um, no, but but as I was going through school, you know, playing in high school and doing those things, you'd get hurt. Go to go into physical therapy clinic or even chiropractic clinic. I did both. But going into um, college, they didn't have any sort of pre med or anything at the school I was at. The only thing they had was an athletic training program. So. I would play football, do some baseball, and try to get my clinic hours and get my 1,500 hours and was in there dealing with the track club and doing wrestling and like everybody else that's done it. My plan originally was when I got done with school, I was moving back home, MCATs, go to U of A and become an orthopedic surgeon. And so in that time after I moved home, I started working at a PT clinic and it just so happens that at the time, my father-in-law worked out there. He was not my father-in-law at the time, but he's a physician. And so I'd open up every morning, and and uh, he'd be there to work out. And basically, he would start talking to me about, you know, he'd be like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I'm planning on going to U of A. I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. Knees, shoulders, do all of that. That was my plan. He was the first one to go, are you ready for insurance and this, and telling me, I only thought saw the good things. Yeah, he was basically going, are you ready for all the bullshit that's coming down the pipe? You know, he was getting on the downside of his career, and he actually was a perinatologist that did high-risk pregnancies and things like that. So he was a pioneer in that field in this country. Long story short, I was like, fuck, no, I am not ready for that. Like, that's not what I want. And to be at an age now where now I can finally start working and doing the things and having to earn it, I was like, you know, for what I have planned for my life for a wife and kids and so I was already in a PT clinic 
And so you ask, like, man, how did you get to that? Well, I was already there. So I was like, this is pretty cool. I like hanging out with these people. It's kind of a gym. Get to hang out and work out. So then I figured out, you know, that's how this is what I'm going to do. It was literally, okay, this looks cool. I'm going to do this. And so I ended up going um, 2003, got into school after that. So I went to A.T. Still University, which originals in Kirksville. Yep. And then I did the one in Mesa, 2003 to 2006. Um, got done with school. have a buddy of mine um, that has had a clinic. He's now got a few, but he gave me my first job and sent me to Central Phoenix in the Biltmore area and said, you're going to, you guys are going to open myself and another guy. We're going to open up a clinic in Biltmore. We did. By the time two years, three years into it, it's buzzing. And it's literally, you know, four or five people at a time. I'm just sitting there with an elbow in someone trying to write bullshit exercises for people. Just nothing. Right. I mean, I always tell the joke and I'm like, I love my profession. I love allied health. I love our professions. But like a chimp could have done my job because I wasn't doing anything skilled. So I got really burnt out. And not because of them. It was just like I expected more from this thing. Right. And so at that point, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is where we were talking where... I left and I said, I, I'm going to go do something else. And my sister, as we were speaking at dinner, she's an occupational therapist and she works with special needs so pediatrics. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> she works with special needs <clears throat> pediatrics and she had a home health company, but wanted to open a clinic. It's like, I'll open your clinic. I'll start it. I'll you know how to do it. But instead I changed complete total gears and took a year. I didn't know how long it was going to be. It ended up being a year and started doing special needs pediatrics, which is how I ended up look, finding through researching and kids with cerebral palsy, I found DNS. And at that point in time, figuring out that, okay, I'm about a year, this is when I was going to start my, my clinic, mm -hmm. which opened in 2011. That At that point, I was like, this DNS thing, and as I was searching, you know, you find DNS, and then I was, this was at the point where I was like, who knows about this? And I was the t I'm the type of guy that, for example, with, with Liebenson that was doing most of that at the time, pick up a phone and I just called him and I said, you don't know me yet, but you will. But tell me about this and where is it at? It happened to be at the Exos. Oh, yeah. It was that year. Everybody was there. Yeah, yeah, was every, there. I mean, it was, yeah. it was everybody at that time. And it's funny because I knew no one at the time. And now pretty much everybody from that, that I, I just walked into that place. Now I know all of them, and we're all good friends now, but sure. that was my first exposure to that. Um, and so that started me on this journey of just kind of what we were talking about today, where that's my overarching umbrella of how I see everything. And then, like I say, it's just been adding the tools. But um, from the R2P standpoint, is that was the first day. And, and at that time, Craig had come up to me and said, hey, you know, he did really good job at the time of being like an art curator. What do you want to do? Well, this is a kind of a way to go. This is, and he was offering some courses. So I started going to his courses and obviously he had the R2P influence. So I started meeting Marianne and meeting all these people. And, and at that point in time, he kind of got me involved and then did that for a few years, just attending some of his events. And, um, you know, when that started to transition over, he asked me if I'd be involved, and I was like, yeah, this has done a lot for me. Yeah. It'd be, you know, I'd be happy to help out in whatever way I can. I didn't know it would turn into this, but. Right. What void do you think <clears throat> R2P is filling? Like, what is the, <clears throat> like, speaking from, like, the PT side of it, and we, we, we know from the car side. Yeah. Like, because the new chiropractors, I mean, the new thing is to, you know, have kind of that hybrid from rehabilitation into the gym setting right so this is like kind of filling that space but yeah i think honestly from the r2p's filling in the pt world and and my goal is to grow it into the pt world because i think they need to understand the, the clinical audit process the functional audits that you mm -hmm. can do because i'm only speaking from my experience that there was no way in time at when i was doing that that I have enough time to go, uh, let's, let's test you, let's treat you, 
let's retest you. I just never had it. Right. I would only have maybe 15 minutes with something, and they're spending an hour out working out. Right. Because the way it always went, now maybe it's different today. I've been out of that game for so long, but... You know, they'd come in, they'd get, they'd go on the bike and warm up or whatever they're doing. They might get a hot pack, and then I'd come over. How you feeling? Still hurts. Okay, let me stick my elbow in your butt, write you up some exercises, go, and then they'd finish on ice and stim, and they'd be gone. And you just go, I really hope they're going to get better. Which, as we all like to joke, we come back, let me guess, no better, right? Like, yeah. So that, that portion of what R2P teaches is something that is absolutely paramount i feel doesn't matter the discipline the fact that you're taking a human and i'm going to test their range of motion i'm going to test their strength whatever that is that that audit that you're going to do i'm going to treat it do my thing and test it did it work that's the biggest game changer in all of it you know like we were speaking about today and so the the biggest thing for r2p for me that i think it could help that field is that framework of thinking Right. You know, I, I just think it's missing in that in a, in that field in, in that type of delivery of healthcare. Right. You know, where everything's mitigated by insurance, and you're just doing, you know, rules of eight and all those things where you can just get as much as you can. Um, and so that's that's my opinion on what I think. Cool. You know, it can deliver. Well, and I think too, I mean, we always talk, it doesn't matter if you're the best ATC in the world, the best PT in the world, the best Cairo in the world, like we're going to relatively have the same skills and our appointments are probably going to look pretty similar. And so, um, you know, you're, you're more in the cash base side of this, this, uh, continuum. And so, I mean, our appointments are probably looking a little bit similar. And so, um, you know, maybe, maybe kind of talk us through what your clinical audit process looks like. Like, what what are some things that you high, hold in high regard? I mean, we're here to, this weekend before the RTP symposium, which mm-hmm. Brett, you kind of talked about, and we've had several podcasts on before your audit process. What do you kind of weigh in? But I, I'd be curious, Jeff, of what you what you really high holding the high standard as far as your auditing goes. Um, it, it's it's very similar, obviously. I think the biggest thing that when I turned over in 2011 started by myself in a cash setting and it works cause I'm still doing it today. Um, thank God. The, the, yeah. <laughs> but the point of it is, is like people go, you know, w- what's different about it. I I've built in a way to buy myself time to figure out the puzzle. And, and that to me is, is the, the key of the whole thing. And, and with that, um, my, you know, my clinical audits are the same. Am I changing density of tissue, trigger points, range of motion, obviously pain, cause that's what they're there for, but we know how subjective that can be. So while wrapping that in and they're going, yeah, I'm feeling better. You're looking for the, the real key changes that are there. Um, and so I, I just think that, um, my biggest, my biggest audits are, are range of motion. Are we seeing a change in what the nervous system is telling you in motor control and, and, and different aspects that way? The biggest thing, though, that, that I, I love is the educational component that comes with that. So it, you can talk, and we were talking about today where the kids were asking, like, what happens when pain's gone and when am I, when am I done? And when you get enough time my opinion is like I can sit and talk with them and explain your pain is I can take your pain away today doctor could take your pain away take a pill but truly what we're looking at is number one can I teach you to self-manage yourself first of all I tell them all I'm trying to work myself out of a job make them their own best therapist but the education that comes with here's what we're seeing here's taking the time just like you guys do at your clinic here's here's what we're looking at this is what we think's going on this is changing, you're getting better, and they're starting to take their own health rather than someone doing something to them and walking away and not really having any any skin in the game, making them drive the bus on their own. And now you're basically coaching them. Mm-hmm. I can treat you, but you're going to have to do this, and I will coach you along the way. And you, you, we are then bumper rails and my job is just to keep them going but not let them fall off the fall off the road it's like the way i bowl i need those things up you know <laughs> yeah it's perfect so. that's perfect and then maybe uh maybe talk us through you know like you you are the guy when it comes to hockey i know that that's one of your favorite sports your favorite things does your auditing process change at all with those guys or are you kind of looking at it through the same lens of I, I, anything I, else i really do um now there's some different things for example i'm not only is is um, um, DNS so big in what we do, but 
the um, neurodynamics is such a big thing. And so, um, and also with hockey, you're going to see a lot of lower body injuries, things like that. So it does change a little bit. So I'm looking at their hips, hip mobility, what sort of changes are happening in, at, at their hip joint, the acetabulum, FAI, stuff like that. So it changes a little bit just based on the nature of injuries in, in sport. Um, but like with baseball, I mean, it's it's still interesting to me that like right now we're almost finished up valentine's day most of the guys are leaving to go report but how many guys don't ever get consistent they're throwing a lot of bullpens right now but they don't get consistent look at the ability of their peripheral nervous system to slide and glide and and what's causing that and so that audit changes a little bit more in the hierarchy of what are the demands of your sport right, right. but yeah hockey hockey is just a it's a different beast in its in its own right, just because they're playing on a slippery surface on a blade that's three eighths of an inch wide, and there's a lot of different demands on the lower body. But then again, at the same time, very similar things are happening. You know, whether it's hitting a puck, hitting a golf ball, or swinging a baseball bat, it's just you're going to see because of the violence and nature of the sport. Just there's a couple other things that are there that we want to look at. It's beautiful. I think too. I mean, <clears throat> like today we were talking about like whether it's MPI or R2P. It's so, like, fascinating to me to see how, like, the students are basically putting pressure from the bottom up. Like, yes, you know, you're so used to, like, an organization where, like, the top is what's, like, driving the bus. Not that, you know, R2P or MPI, like, we're not right. doing that. But it's so interesting to watch, like, how – and we all have our struggles with right. the schools. And, I mean, it, and, and a lot of times it's not their fault. I mean, they're doing their best. But like these, this group of students is actually like creating this movement, which is like insane. And uh, you know, we talk about all the time with R two P and MPI. Like they are the ones who are making the education so good. And ironically, the schools sometimes like get the credit for it. But we're like, oh my god, like these kids are coming out so good because like these clubs are like they are so good. It's it's just unreal. They're just arming themselves with these tools. Like, I mean, I can't even imagine, like, you know, being exposed to what they're being exposed to. And, like, they push each other. And, yeah. I mean, and well, they're, they're a weird mix, honestly, of, like, they understand technology. Right. They, you know, and it's it's really kind of a special. I mean, I just group. look back and, yeah, the technology stuff that's helping. I, I'm fascinated with how driven they all are. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think we yeah. all were, but they have so much, like, if I would have had all this information at the beginning, oh, God. you know, I it, maybe I don't want that now. Things have worked out the way I like them to, but man, to have to have not had to go, what is wrong with this and go searching it on my own, but getting to a place where they've got such good mentors as you guys and, and, and a podcast that's bringing things to people and a lot of information where it's a lot easier I believe that you can go sift for it now, you know, with the internet. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so you can get all of this information. But back then you just had to figure out where you were terrible and like what fits that void, right? Like it wasn't, you know, for a long time. I started doing dry needling, searching it out in like 2009 because my hands were in four years or five years of practice or whatever. That I was like, I'd go home at night and have to stick them in paraffin wax i because and they were killing me what and i was like there's got yeah. to be something else right and i mean that was a need and i was like there's got to be something and then i found i, be, I believe it was the yun tao ma was the only one it was in oh, boulder yeah. and i think that turned out to be sue's yeah. company structure and yeah. function now but i found that and that was a need but like right now it's everywhere right and so i was doing it and it was like in Arizona, it's the Wild West. So basically, you're like, well, you can go do it. It's not right or wrong. It says you can do things in the, but you're taking your own risk. And I was like, I have to. These these are dying on me. Right. You know. So you find those things, but these kids now they come out so full. But I think what separates MPI and R2P is those. If you're going to take time after being in class and studying and do, and they still go to these clubs and they're hungry and they're hungry. It just sets them up to just like they're 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 already the group because of their mentality that want to be better, and I think one day like they should surpass us, right? Like that's what you'd want. 
Well, that's what a good mentor is, right? right? I mean, if you're doing your job as a teacher, as a mentor, as a, right. things like that, the people below you are better because of it. Yes. So I think that's the, the unique thing. And for those who maybe don't know about the clubs at these schools, like that's like R2P and MPI, these are during lunch hour usually at the, at the chiropractic schools. And it's completely... I mean, usually there's obstructions from from the faculty, oh, yeah. people there, and all these mm-hmm. other things. Like everything's stacked against you. Yeah, yeah. and so um, it, it is like what you're talking about. You have to go out and seek it, and I think that that's a unique thing because there's so much information. It, sometimes that there's an easy. It, it's very easy for a student to say, "Oh, well, I already I can read the information, therefore I don't need to go listen to someone else talk about it." You know, and, and I think we've kind of seen a switch in that with COVID. There's been so much uh, online things, and, right? Uh, which which makes these weekends so much better. The the RTP symposium and uh, the other seminars and stuff like that. And I think that's another good thing that RTP is doing is the commitment to this symposium is having good speakers, number one, having the reps there to try to drive things and create conversations, and, and that's what makes these weekends so special. You know, and one of my biggest things is, you know, yeah, we all had the COVID, and there's nothing, there's nothing that can compete with being in a place together where the biggest thing that you can create is a network community literally yeah. just for just last week when you guys were traveling out here last week i text him because i had a picture who's coming back to florida i was like i need someone for this picture he's got a back and a shoulder shoot him a text he's like i'll get you a guy but that's what i mean creating a network where he's not gonna he knows the best of the best so if i can call him and he can go send him here i know he's in good hands but that's the thing that you get from coming to a something like this talking to people meeting them it sets especially for the younger people they're just starting to meet people that in time will give them stepping stones to just get somewhere they know names you know they're they're putting an effort out but creating the network of of high level providers whether it's pt whether it's cairo because in my opinion in a perfect world for example if i have a friggin' heart attack tonight and i got to go to the er I don't care if it's a DO or an MD. One of them is going to save me, but they're going to do very similar things, and it doesn't matter what's up behind their name. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I think of PT and chiropractic. That's right. Sorry to interrupt this episode, guys. Hope you're enjoying it real quick. We have an amazing, amazing opportunity. The DNS World Congress is coming to Chesterfield, Missouri this June 14th through the 16th, 2024. If you guys attended our NDS or our Neurodynamics Congress, you know that we uh, this is uh, something that's very close to Brett and I's heart, something that we are going to keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. So this year's Congress is all about DNS, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. This is literally uh, like looking into the ocean, as Brett says. This is the lens that we look through each and every one of our patients with. And this is going to be an amazing opportunity because Pavel is back in town. So the originator, the creator of DNS, Pavel Kolaj, is coming to the stage for the first time in five or six years. I don't even know how long it's been. Uh, He's bringing along with him Elena Kobosova, which is literally the backbone of DNS. Uh, She's one of the most underrated neurologists in the world. Uh, So we're super excited to hear from her. Uh, Marcella Safarova, if you haven't heard her speak, uh, she is literally the queen of pediatrics and musculoskeletal health. Uh, We also are going to have Every, almost every single U.S. instructor at the uh, at the Congress who's going to be speaking. It's going to include demos, lectures, hands-on. Uh, we're going to have, as always, uh, a get-together afterwards with your chance to talk to these guys uh, face-to-face and have a couple drinks with them. This is going to be a great, great opportunity. There's also, it's a great price too, especially for students. It's only $4.99. Uh, so be sure to use the code DNS student uh, to get your discount on that. Uh, for more information or if you have questions, go to gestaltedu.com backslash DNS dash Congress. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Enjoy the rest of the episode. If I was treating at your office and you were treating at my office, they would probably go, I I don't know what you are. But again, I have a multidisciplinary office. I got chiros and PTs and we all look the same. Right. And I think that's the way that healthcare should be delivered, at least in musculoskeletal care. For sure. You know. Well, I think at the end of the day, that's what healthcare is, is should be, is multiple people saying the same thing. Right. You know, if you can have a multiple provider saying the same suggestions, talking the same language, right. then there's so much more confidence in the patient, yeah. so much more confidence in the payers and whoever's involved with it that that's going the right direction. Yeah. So, and we discussed a little bit today, like, it's kind of weird in our profession <laughs> where sometimes, like, the best don't get reimbursed like the best Mm -hmm. and it's really kind of hard to find another situation in another discipline or like professional sports for example if you're really good at what you're doing you get reimbursed you get rewarded for being good at what you're doing right and like in pt and cairo it's almost like sometimes you you get punished for doing everything the right way and things like that so moving forward and we talked a little bit about today what are some of the things that we need to do better maybe to make sure that like if you're the if you're the if you're Jeff Barron, mm-hmm. how do you get reimbursed for being great at what you're doing? 
Because the system isn't necessarily actually the system's rewarding you for being the opposite in a weird, twisted way, and just doing cookie cutter stuff, right? And and that's the difference. And and again, there's a lot of people that might completely disagree with me, but I think the at least in my field, you either get in if, if you're getting into PT. Yes, there's the people that just want to go punch a clock, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to go treat patients. I'm going to go home to be with my family. They don't want to own anything. They, they're just working, right? But for the most part, I believe you either get into physical therapy because you're going to own a couple of locations. It's going to be the volume game. And you're going to build, you're a businessman and you're going to build up this business and sell it off to a bigger conglomerate. That's my belief. Or you get in this because, and this is not taken away from anybody that, that's going to say that I think that just because they're doing that, they don't want to be good at physical therapy. That's not what I'm saying. But on my side is I really care about what I'm doing. And not, like I say, not that anybody else doesn't, but my point is, is the quality and spending time and creating an environment is far more important to me than one day selling something for 20 million. It, when I got into this, you don't get into our profession to, to become a millionaire. You're like, you're, you're doing it because you enjoy helping people. And those are the two different ways that I see at least my field going. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I don't think it changes unless you start with how, how the system's paying you. Right. right. And, and I don't know that that's going to change. I actually think it's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse because you got big corporations buying up all these smaller things. You know, you got the Kaisers and they own everything. And you've got in our area, you've got Banner Hospital and they're 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 great. But they're you know, there's a lot of all these ortho Arizona great doctors and stuff. But when you get in there, it just becomes this machine. And then it comes down to the financial guys and the bean counters going, hey, you know. And to me, it's just, it, it's, I left because I wouldn't have wanted, I didn't even want my mother to come be treated by me because I can't deliver the goods, you know, I'm just hamstrung with it. Well, it's almost like privatized medicine is, is getting more popular for a reason because people are, the, the consumer is driving the change, right. you know, like, you, unfortunately, like the more money you have in this world, the more things you get to do exactly and yeah. so you get access to to better health care and i think we're all probably humanitarians and don't necessarily agree with that and we might be getting a little bit political here with these statements but but it's also i mean that's just the reality and so i think that you know that's why you know we have we have medical doctors in our office that are cash only they mm -hmm. don't take insurance and they are busy as all get out because oh, yeah. people can get in with them right away number one and then they can get the service that they're looking for so they're not getting shuffled around a hospital system or well and like i that. think the the best part is and I know you guys are the same with your MDs, but I've created it where I've kind of flipped it around in a sense of my people who triage, I use a lot of referrals. Now we've gone long enough, so now it's organically getting referrals, but originally it was strength coaches and trainers. Mm -hmm. And I would go talk with them and say, here, here's what we're doing. And, and originally when I started very involved in high level CrossFit and the CrossFit community and they, you know, coaches would send me people. And in the traditional model, you're going to be seen three times a week for six weeks. At a minimum, you're going to get another script for more of that. So that takes three visits a week. And you're, that guy, if that trainer sent them to you, now there's money coming out of his pocket because they're going to start coming to you to do, to do therapy. The way we did it was if you're going to, if, if Taylor's the trainer and he's going to send them to me, what I do is I'm going to find a couple things, elephant in the room stuff. Maybe they can't breathe, can't brace, but these trainers understand what we're talking about. They're, they're upper level type guys and gals. And then what I will do is you're going to go back. You're going to go keep training with your trainer. I will message them. You have this stuff we're working on as part of maybe your movement prep, your warm up. You're going to prime the system, but you can still go to lifetime fitness. You can still go there. We will check in with your, your trainer and it keeps them going and it keeps them doing the thing that they like, working out with their trainer. They have that little part of their life that they enjoy. Right. It doesn't pull them out of it. It keeps that guy with his stream of income. We look good because we're talking and the patient's happy, yeah. right? And the best part with it, but then after that, as you said, coming in from the bottom and working up, that's kind of the way it's gone. So as I go up, just like just today, we were dealing with a baseball guy, and it's like, okay, he's got this thing, but now I am referring to doctors. I don't need them to refer to me. 
And so the best part when you create the relationships is now we get to the point where just like you, you helped me out. We can text people and we got him an MRI. He needed it. He texted us this morning. We got him one by this afternoon and it was already read and we know what we're doing with it, but we worked our way from the bottom instead of top down, going to the doctor and doing all the things. It'd take three weeks. Yeah. And so there's, I don't require a physician to refer it's just organically now and it just is so much more streamlined and and it takes care of the patient much faster they're much more appreciative and and at the bottom line it shows them that you actually really care and you're bought into helping them well i think it goes back to our ultimate goal and i know you probably share this too is be a gatekeeper i mean yes 100 percent. unfortunately you talk about this too brett like people usually are, are entering the the healthcare system from the opposite side of the funnel that they should be like starting with your trainer starting with the people that are going to see them more often to then be able to dictate what needs to happen next yep. because i mean frankly like especially in our small town like our primary care physicians are so backed up they don't have time to deal with low back pain or ankle right. sprains or possible fractures stuff like that like we're in a prime prime position to order the right imaging to get them to the right orthopedist or to the right specialist and then go from there and i think well, you know physical therapy now our majority states are primary care for pts and i think that that's a great thing because it gives our patients access to the best or the people right away that we can we can manage for yeah them. totally agree and you know like like brett said it's it's just being able to come in from that funnel and and absolutely do that and like you guys say they don't have enough time to deal with it you guys are absolutely some of the best, not even locally, nationally with what you guys do. So, I mean, the, the care that they get in Troy, Missouri, most people don't understand probably how good how good they've gotten it. But it's because you've created that and you guys have continued to learn and you have, you know, great interns and you have a good source of people that are coming because they've had the MPI. They've had the R2P and you can pick them and they can get in there and get running. And it's just a continuous high level uh, of patient care. Yeah. And the fact that you guys demand it, which is right. obviously fantastic. Well, I mean, for a lot of us, too, I mean, it's not, it, sometimes like our best referral sources are actually not people that we've actually helped ourselves directly. It's that, you know, we're just directing traffic all day long. Yes. And, you know, as time goes on, I mean, you really, for the for the young docs out there, you want to have the connections to be able to, to get an epidural tomorrow, to be able to get them in, like, to the best orthopedic surgeon in your area. Yeah. And, like... To get imaging, to get labs. Yeah, to get and, like, we're, people are scared to do that in our field. And it, But you don't understand, like, these people love us because, like, what the orthopedic surgeon always tell to us is, like, we love your referrals. Because I'm like, don't send them back to me. Like... Yeah. Trust me, we have failed with them. Like, but by the time we send them to you, like it's hot lights and cold steels. We say, yep. you know, like so they really respect that. Whereas, like in primary care, a lot of times they're referring the orthopedist on cases that shouldn't be at the orthopedic office. So the orthopedist, like when you have a good like symbiotic relationship, they love somebody because it's like when they're coming from us, they know it's surgery. You yes. know. Yeah. And uh, and they really respect that because we make amazing gatekeepers. Like, we're in a position to be the best gatekeepers in the world, literally. I agree. So we're, like, vetting them out. We're doing, you know, we call it the TOC or the trial of care, which is so hard to find. Like, to find, like, a world-class trial of care to where, like, at the end of three or four weeks of treatment to know, like, do we need to escalate treatment? Like, do we need, do we need a surgery? Do we need an epidural? Do we need, you know, meds? And it... It sounds so cliche and easy, but it is so hard to find people who are great at like a world-class trial of care. And that the imaging is part of the puzzle, but the imaging is not the end-all be-all. I mean, there's so much research in the knee and the hip and the spine to tell us, shoulder, mm -hmm. that like just because you have a significant finding on your imaging doesn't mean that you require an orthopedic intervention. So, right. Or that you even have a painful syndrome. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you're left with someone like yourself or me or you or, you know, or someone that's in the R2P or MPI crowd, like to deliver some insane treatment plan, and then we see. And then, like, you know, there's no guarantees. I mean, but and, and I wonder, you know, what the – if you actually were able to take – real costs of starting from the bottom of that funnel versus the top mm -hmm. and maybe someone's done it i don't know but like the the amount of savings to the healthcare system has to be 
ridiculous. Well, they did do it in the low back, right, Brett? The itriogenic what is it? What's that? Yes. Itriogenic uh, cost of a of low yep. back episode. If you do an MRI first, it costs the healthcare system thirteen thousand dollars more money. Webster. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so like if you so go to your primary doing, right? care and you order, if the primary care doc orders an MRI for the spine. On the initial encounter, mm-hmm. you are adding thirteen thousand dollars to that case, and that's not a surgery. Thir- surgeries don't cost thirteen thousand no. dollars. It's like the downstream, yeah, yeah, all, all the stuff, stuff that goes along with it. So, and honestly, as, as we've learned from uh, our good friend Michael Shacklock, mm-hmm. it's actually it's not the imaging that's actually the problem; it's the education off the imaging that creates all the problem. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have access to the imaging have a brain like look at the imaging understand it just more it's just more information you're like a detective you're gathering information right i mean well and the funny thing is so you know you have patients that come in with their imaging they're like here look at this and and we go let's look at that at the end and i go say it's a a disc and we know it's going to be a disc because how they're explaining it but i can go and, and this is you know Hopefully I'm right most of the time, but but I always tell them I said save that to the end is when we can talk about the educational component that that I hold and as important as everything else. But I go if I'm doing my job right, I should be pretty spot on with what's on there. I can be able to basically tell you what's what's in there, and and humble brag, but I, I like to think I'm pretty good at doing that, and it happens quite a lot of time. The best part about that is I tell people I'm like. You're not your imaging. Your functional testing has to match what's on that imaging for us to know that that's actually the spot. And so that, again, is more cost-effective for the patient. But when they just start coming in and you start reading it, and you're like, radiologist says it's this, like you talked about. That might be an incidental finding that has nothing to do with anything. And I think that's where people who haven't exposed themselves to many different ways of learning or many different systems that can help you filter that out problem is is that's where someone gets stuck in long-term rehab and as you spoke today there's many ways to obtain chronic pain (laughs) that's one of them right you know and so it just does a disservice that that our investigations and our findings historically and clinical findings should then go and that's why i save it till the end because then at least you know you're probably on a more true path of of what is the trigger of their pain and then how to get them out right and the buy-in is much better yeah and i think it comes back to community which the reason that we're here this week in this community right yes. i think that that's the power of these clubs and the power of these organizations um, gestalt r2p mpi whatever you want to call the organization it's building a community and and that's what we're building in our practices but i think be you know attending these weekends and attending these conferences allows you to practice building that community and to, to get ideas on how to build that community. And, you know, like you said, Brett, like getting to know your, the best orthopedics in your area, not to get referrals necessarily, but to have a source to refer. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, that's another power of these weekends is like being able to kind of spitball on how you create that community. Yeah. And honestly, and I, th- like, I think practice. also, like we were talking about one of the, one of the weirdest things. And I was actually talking with Kyle Thompson about this today. Cause he was, I was helping, Helping him on a couple cases that he's got here. We just chat on the phone, and I said I was telling him because you had spoke about it today. But I said some of my best referrals are ones that I didn't even help. I got them to the right person, mm. and 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 I was telling him, and I was like, you know, I just think that they finally got someone that was going to feed them the right information, tell it to them straight, get them to somewhere, and wasn't going to say, I'm going to take your money for a little bit, and then I'll get you where you're going. It was just straight transparency honesty and truthfulness and i'm not your guy but i ha- i will find you if i don't know him i will find you that guy or i can ma- now community i can make a phone call and, and when you do that now they're just like everyone's coming to you because i know you didn't waste my time you care about us and you got me where i needed to go and you understand the problem you know like i think like you know if you're a chiropractor you're a physical therapist Unfortunately, we're, we can be low man on the totem pole. And the more you're in your community, that will actually start to like flip itself, mm-hmm. but especially when you're young. Like, I mean, you can deny that if you want, but the reality of it is, I mean, like you're low man on a totem pole. So yeah. like you got to walk around, you got to be competitive. You got to have a chip on your shoulder and you got to like 
you gotta try hard and you gotta you know you gotta you know be competitive with your results and you gotta like really really you know actually want to get your patients better and yeah that's it's as easy as that sounds it's actually kind of uh it's and, and as i tell everyone even students that come into our office to shadow they're like well what do, what's the the work is the work and and for people who are looking especially in the chiropractic field because you get out and it's unless you go work as an associate for someone a lot of it is you eat what you kill and i always tell them i'm like you have three years of grinding before it starts so you're pushing that boulder up the hill three years is about what i've seen it's what mine was and the other kairos that are that i'm working with and that some took them before that starts get going and organically you start getting the referrals but it but you got to just put your head down and go for three years mm-hmm. yeah and fail and struggle fail and, and be terrible and feel terrible and yeah. and what we always talk about too is just like paying attention <laughs> like in those first three years like that i think that is the biggest thing i learned you just got you gotta pay attention like yeah. pay attention to the, your failures your successes the things you did well the things you sucked at how you said things that were good how you said things that were complete bullshit like yep. little things like that i think make a big difference. well and i also thought today when when you were speaking and you talked about you're taking in all of the things that your patients like you're you're gonna feel like i'm not getting anybody better i'm not doing this i'm not doing that and that stress was literally i did the same thing and i ended up Early in my career, when I had my practice, it was probably 2013 or 2014 as I was doing that, and I one night told my wife, you need to take me to the hospital. I think I'm having a heart attack. Mm. I wasn't. It was just stress and panic, and I, and great. They showed me the EKG, and they're fine, and I realized after that, and then honestly, I forget who I was talking to, um, but one of our friends, professional, and I, and I was telling them that, and, and the question that actually flipped my thinking that I'm hoping these young kids realize was, they go, how dare do you think it's your right to make them better? Mm-hmm. And I was like, because I thought I had to fix them, not they had to fix themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, that is why I now hang my hat so heavy on patient inter- education and creating an understanding of where they're at and where they need to go, because... That wore me down just as bad as my hands did in the other setting, but (laughs) stress of feeling like I had to fix everybody. And when I turned it and I said, I'm here to help you, but you have to be the one driving the bus and I'm going to keep you within these lanes. And, and it's changed not only my world, my thinking world, but it's led me on another path of, of how important a lot of that is. And, and so for the young, the young docs, the, the students, hopefully they can learn from that and realize that because we've all we've all been there oh, you know, yeah. especially when you have business and and it's it's not a good way to try to think that your job is to fix everyone yeah. you know yeah yeah and i mean i i always think of it like is chiropractors or physical therapists we want to push the limits of what's possible in what we do right and i love that because like you know whether you're with an orthopedic surgeon whether you're with a neurologist whether you're with a pitching coach like I always like hold myself to a standard of like I want them to be like that he or she they they kind of know what they're talking about you know like and I feel like if you can have those you know those tough conversations with all these other professions then you are setting yourself up for like really really good result world-class results Mm -hmm. and uh, I feel like we are so used to just like kind of falling in line with like what you know people perception of chiropractic and you know we're we're right there with all with the top you know and i mean we deserve to be there like we have our role with our the healthcare team and uh in all these cases whether it's an athlete or whether it's someone in the general population but uh you know you got to be a little bit competitive with it i mean you got to like you know get a little bit pissed off when you get slided a little bit and um that's gotta i mean i always wake up in the morning i'm like Okay, I got a little bit slighted yesterday, and I'm a little bit pissed off about it. And yeah. I want to, I want to like get it right today. And I, I think that's, you know, and I, I think also too when we with those with those physicians, with the orthopedic surgeons that we work with, with the teams and those different things, they understand how important that role. Oh is. yeah, you know, and and so, you know, I just think that we are if if you're good at what you do and you're on that level they understand they understand absolutely and they'll respect you yeah they will 100 percent respect so 100 percent they would so beautiful 
guys, uh, well, Jeff, let's let's kind of give one more plug for RTP. So if people are interested in it, number one, where do they find them? Students out there, uh, give a plug of why they should go to club and and uh, why they should show up to these symposium and stuff like that. Or, or and I know you have an online online coursework, things like that. Yeah. So so RTP is a great thing. Um, not only not only with R2P can you um, basically find us at rehab2performance.com. Um, but getting getting club and being able Perfect. to this is why this is why we love this spot because it's outside and you never know what's going to happen. It's going to be loud and there's going to be people and you know it's all good. Yeah. So basically, you know, R2P and, and being able to find it rehabtoperformance.com. Um, we're there to help grow and provide for these kids whatever they need. And I say kids, but most they're adults. But the point of the matter is, is getting into club. <laughs> is putting you with like-minded people. Right. It's putting you with like-minded people that that you're setting yourself up because you're willing to go the extra distance to do that. So you're already setting yourself up. Now we're trying to provide you're already saying I'm going to be top-notch because I'm going to go above and beyond, but we want to come in and say we've also found the best things and systems. We'll filter it for you. And now we'll come in and let you use your club to learn these things and guess what it's just enough to get a taste so we'll go through dns but if you want to take a dive down that guess what now brett can come to your school or you can go find brett and go take a true dns course and start learning michael shacklock you're going to get enough of it to kind of wet your taste buds a little bit and if it makes sense for where you're at but we've created that so that they're getting a little bit of a taste of everything and finding what works for them in their toolbox at the time. Same thing in my office. So anybody listening, like, reach out. Like, I have an open door policy. There's no man behind the curtain. You come in, you can see what we do, you know, and... The good, the bad, the ugly. You, you yeah. can see yeah. it, and, and you'll see truly how it is. We don't win everything. Right. You know, like you say, you got people that come in, and you're, you're we're still, to this day, after all these years, we're like, gosh, but you got to remember, you're not dealing with, you know... A robot you're dealing with a human you know walking and around I, in this carcass you know and the other thing in our community we've kind of been tight casted into like you can't make money in this model so i mean we've definitely been on a crusade to kind of prove that wrong and we have like such a great group of people on our web we've had josh satterley um mm -hmm. in the gym you know like he helps us like on letting people learn how to make money in this model um kevin christie would be another one that comes to mind so like a lot of people i mean you just don't understand the business side of it which you know we're all on the clinical side right. typically right? right so i mean you know if you're in the r2p community or the mpi community and you're wanting to do this kind of gym hybrid model there we have like really good role models that are in our web that can really kind of like help you yes because at the end of the day like you went to school for eight years as lynn fay our one yeah. of our good mentors always said you deserve to make a professional income you yeah. know like so you gotta watch like as we're working on that continuum where you know we're we're on that edge of rehab going into training that you're not like giving away all your time and not making any money on right. this so finding ways to you know get reimbursed for what you're doing is is also challenging so i think like lean on the people that are actually that are good at that i mean yeah. those those are two names to think of i mean maybe we got others yeah know, and but. and but then through the lifespan as you well know with your practice like when you start and you take them through the rehab portion and you get to the to the performance part so rehab to performance you're done with the rehab you can create a lifespan for these people where now you're getting them into healthy fitness habits but you're doing it through pragmatic programming and things that are applicable it's not just like well go to your f45 and it's a 65 year old lady because you don't know what you know right. you're just sending them off but if you start to do those josh satterley things or this clinic gym hybrid the kind of how you guys have and we have where i get patients that it's funny because they don't necessarily as we were talking about they don't necessarily get discharged in a in a formal setting yeah they're out of pain and they're training and they might not come back but they will come back once a, i mean we have highly active people in my in my pro, and they'll come back most of them once a month check in kind of like your dental hygienist check in make sure things are good return to what they're doing and it creates again this ecosystem where they're just cared through cared for through this lifespan and understanding the role that that understanding programming or or exercise prescription 
in both fields because I think there's a big gap in the majority of that where we're understanding why am I programming X exercise and am I doing it with this energy system and why am I doing that? And the question is, if you can do that and you create programming that gets you where you want to go that is within the goals and that person that's standing in front of you, they trust you forever and they're going to keep coming back when they have someone and now you have them through this lifespan where you're just coaching them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like a liaison. 100%. And, yeah. and, and, and it's just, that is how you make this cash practice start to work. Um, you know, I am in Scottsdale, which is quite lucky. So, I mean, but it's worked for, I'm going on 13 years now, I think. This will be year 13. And so when you do it like that and you just take care of people and you create that lifespan where they're like, I don't know where to go. I've got it. Or you can do it here and we can program and people can program and we do remote programming and we do, there's every way that we can get it done to give that patient what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Rehab, the number two performance.com. I'll link it in the show notes and stuff like that. And Jeff, I'll put your uh, your contact information in there Absolutely. too so that they can reach out and shadow and, and hang out. And yeah, I just think like, Jeff, you're a great friend of ours because we, we trust you so much clinically, number one, and then we trust your open-mindedness. You know, we spent we spent a week together in, in Prague this year, which is amazing for that DNSD. Was, that was pretty fun. And uh, my goodness, we, we literally... I don't know. I, I saw you from 7 a.m. until 3 a.m. I think every single day. That, I think so. At that, the casino. Yep, yep. that entire yep. week. And so, uh, but we we had some great conversations and uh, that whole group. And I, I just think, like, uh, continuing to find community is what we're all striving for. You know, like, we all want to be part of something bigger than, than ourselves and our and our stuff. And I think that's where forcing yourself, even if you're a doc, you've been out for 20 years, come to these things and, like, you know, force yourself. Yeah, meet yourself. Force yourself to be in front of these students that are learning all these information. And You know, and our biggest thing is with R2P, we want people telling us what they want. Mm-hmm. What are they looking for? Let us use some of the best in this world, you guys included, Gestalt, everything, and filter these things to make it easier for people to find the information to get better. And so anybody, like I want the students to email us and be, that's what they're doing now. They're going to be like, who do you want to see next year? What do you want to see? Because we want to provide that and, and just keep delivering high quality education, just like you guys do with the show and everything that you're doing through your, your clinic, but also through Gestalt. It's just, it's super important. Love it. Beautiful. Jeff, you're, you're a gem. We you're appreciate savage. you, man. Love you, man. Love you, boys. Oh, yeah, love you, bro. Uh, what we really love yep. about you is the wine that you love. Yeah, so oh, that's... yeah. We have that love. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we do love, love our We know wine. that, uh, yeah, we, you're always up for a good bottle of wine. And so morning that, champagne. Yep. So. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Hot tubs and morning champagne. What more could you ask for? All right, guys. Well, uh, Jeff, thanks for sitting down with us. Good luck to the patients, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time, all right? I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gasol Education Show. Uh, if you liked it, share it, subscribe to it, uh, send it to your friends, send it to someone that needs to hear this message. Uh, we really want everyone to be able to, to tune in and, and get the, the best clinical advice that they can, which uh, we're hoping that we're giving to you with these special guests. So um, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us, or if you have any suggestions on upcoming uh, conversations, let us know. Uh, for a list of our upcoming courses, we're adding them all the dang time. So go to gestaltedu.com, click on courses, and they'll all be right there for you. All right, have a good day.